This is the Randomer Nintendo Podcast for August 28th, 2022. I am your host for the first time in this podcast history, Kevin. To my virtual left is Jason. Hello. And to my virtual right, as always. No, not as always, because the first time that I ever do this is Angel. Wait, you do this all the time. What are you talking about? You always do the virtual left, virtual right. I am Angel. the other man, there we go. You let the man choose up before you <laughs> so rudely interrupt. Sorry, I was just like, no, this is the norm for you. Sorry. Yes, yes. but that was a, a podcast that we did a long, a long time ago. You're right. It was many months, weeks. Yeah, fair. Okay. Yeah. Fortnights ago? For many moons. Many moons. Many moons. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm good. Okay, I'm just... fine. What? Oh, okay, fine. No one wants to talk. I said I'm good. <laughs> what a rocky no, start no, we're no, having. Not, not everybody get up at once. Oh, I'm I'm doing yeah, I'm great, Kevin. Do. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so are you just feeling like nothing then, Angel? Yeah. Just very neutral. Very neutral. Could it be the... Could, when, what, we're recording this at 8 in the morning, or at this point it's already 8.30. When are you not so neutral? Um, like around 3 p.m., I would say so. That's when, that's when my, my mood is very decisive. Like, you will never see me neutral at 3 p.m., ever. Oh. Yeah. It's a really uh, at bold that point, statement. At that point, are you chipper or are you on the downswing? Oh, no, it's, it's only upswing from, from the beginning. It's only goes neutral to upswing. There was never a, a dour moment. At 3 p.m. Seriously, the whole day. You're saying when you're tired, like 11 at night, you're still on an upswing. Yeah, you kind of peak at 3 p.m. And then it's kind of like you ride that wave until you go to sleep and you just wake up neutral. So it's like neutral till 3 p.m. Well, at 3 p.m. it's already reached its peak and then it just stays at that peak until... It plateaus. You, know, you plateau. Yeah. yeah. This seems to imply you never get tired. No, of course not. Cap. Okay. Yeah, that's not human. You're not a human. <laughs> just just saying you're some other being. You mean clearly. you actually get tired like me? You decide, yeah, I'm going to go to sleep. That, that feels like it could be fun. Change it up a little. Do that all the time. I don't think – like if I didn't get tired, I don't know if I'd want to just – like there's times that like I want to keep doing things, but I get too tired and have to go to sleep. Like I'd rather in those instances keep doing things. And then I don't think there's times that I'm like – Boy, it should would be great to just like not be conscious. Like I guess yeah. tiredness that usually drives that, you know. Sometimes it's just appealing, or it just sounds appealing. But yeah, it's probably like at most. But you know, it, I'm sure maybe you're the exception, and everyone just feels that way. But I guess we'll see. Oh, I'm the exception. Yeah, <laughs> not you, not you, Mister. I plateau at three and never come down. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's just how life works. Okay. Is that how, how life works? I, I don't think it is. I, I do not believe so. Maybe it's how oh. his life works. It's how Angel's life yeah. works. Yeah, that's how my life works. I mean, clearly, I mean, I only have the perspective of my life, so, I mean, yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, this is the people's perspectives. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can encompass the viewpoints of others as you learn about them or as you live with them in the case of your family. 
I think you're just tired of this conversation. <laughs> Bring us up back to full circle. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Um. All right, what do we want to talk about? <laughs> this is the rockiest. Start. This is the worst host. It's because it's eight a.m. Yeah, but yeah, well, I have did have you... a. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I did have ahead. a random question. Um, oh, how did, appropriate did, for the randomer. <laughs> something like the podcast. He's very on brand. I, yeah, I think I. I don't know if I've mentioned it in the podcast before, but um, this year in particular was probably when I've gone through. I would say like one of the biggest changes as far as like eating habits, or just taste. I guess it's literally taste, because I. Was that, yeah, I was one of those people that would always, 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 always remove the onions from anything that I would eat, like if it came with onions. And if it did accidentally come with onions, you know, I would still remove them anyway and someone would always take them. But not sure when or how it happened, but at some point this year, I didn't remove the onions and I tried it. And then I was like, huh, this actually still tastes good. And then I started just keeping the onions on things to the point where now, fast forward like a couple months, and not only do I keep the onions on anything that I order now, um, given the option, sometimes I'll add onions. And I just think I remember at one point just really disliking the taste of onions. Obviously still won't eat like a raw onion, but... You know, talking about like tacos and burgers or just things that would have onions. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just, at some point my taste buds have changed and now I like onions. So I was just kind of curious if either of you have gone through something like that recently or maybe at all. Like if there was just something that you really disliked and then suddenly you're like, hey, I, I can jam with this now. Or maybe you just suddenly picked up something new. I don't know. Well, couple, and I can't be the only one to have ever had their taste buds change at some point. Couple of things. One, I appreciate that you pointed out that when you put the onions on the side when they accidentally give it to you, they did not go away since someone else ate it. Like you went out of your way to say that, which is kind of funny. Two, you also mentioned something about jam and onions actually make an interesting jam combination at a place called Father's Office around here. Um, but three, to answer your question, um, I think for me the closest I could think – I don't think I've had something as uh, transform. I I don't think I've had as transformative of a food journey as it sounds like you've embarked on. But uh, mushrooms for me were something I never used to like. And while I don't necessarily seek them out, I happily eat them now. And in the case of like my blue aprons, if there's mushrooms in the dish or if I'm picking different dishes, the mushrooms don't stop me from swapping in the dish like it would have five years ago. So mm. there's mine. Interestingly, you would think the guy who like is obsessed with Nintendo and loves Mario would be into mushrooms. But yeah, no, it's a recent phenomenon for me. So you like yeah. them portobello's now, or you would? I guess you Any really mushroom. If it's just them? mushroom, I could I couldn't tell you which mushrooms which, as long as it's the edible ones, not the like drug <laughs> ones. Um, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Oh, what about you, Kevin? I'm trying to think, and nothing seems to come to mind. And like, always, I hate, I, I hate pickle onions man? and mushrooms. Which no, I I, <laughs> I hate pickles funny. so much. What I, 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 I hate pickles. pickles. Oh. I hate oh. onions. Wait, what? okay, hold onions, on. What was that onions noise? Are, onions are good to like, <laughs> actually. The fine, as long as you keep ordering the pickles or not 
taking them away and giving them to me if we ever go. Yeah, out which to is pretty much what I always do. Like, yeah, whenever so, we go to a place, you know what, that's, that's we, cool. I get a burger. Like, uh, I, I, yeah, here you want any pickles? Yeah, go for it. I take back uh, my my scoffs. That was a scoff. Like, I thought that was some sort of groan or moan at the word pickle, and I was really confused. Maybe it was both. <laughs> Onions, I'm totally fine with to cook with, but like putting them on some on like food afterwards, like is a, is an absolute no to me. And mushrooms, I don't understand how anybody can like mushrooms. I didn't either for a long time, and then one day I was just like, oh, okay. So it's not just like the taste; it's <laughs> also on. the texture. Yeah, like even the texture, I can be like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like I don't know, like, especially like when they're raw. Like it's just like that slime. Like it was weird, and now I'm just like, yeah, that's just a mushroom. You eat it, and I'm cool with it. Like I don't know what changed exactly. So maybe you'll get there one day, Kevin. Maybe it's something like when you turn a certain age, just you embrace mushrooms. Maybe it's an older person food. I mean, I, I guess that's what it, I guess like what it would be younger for than you. you. I know, I know, but maybe that's the turning point. <laughs> Wait, did you really say a year Wait, younger than us? Yeah. You're four years. Yeah, four you're four. Years. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. you guys are old. Exactly. So once <laughs> you cross that threshold into 30, Kevin, four freaking years. Dance into your life. Uh, and I'm kidding about the whole thing. But uh, I can't. I think my taste buds have always been the same, honestly. I'm a very picky eater. Like, I'll try anything once, but afterwards, like, no, I. I like what's, I like a known quantity, you know, like, I'm not adventurous with my food, and like I said, I'll try anything once, but aside from that, there's nothing, ah, I'm gonna hurt myself trying to think of, like, I'd say sushi, but I don't really think that counts, because that's just more like, I never really wanted to try it because it didn't sound appetizing, but I ended up loving it, I guess it was more yeah, like something great. that you know you hated, or just like, well, but, I mean, I guess. You there, Angel, where you just didn't want fish period like i mean i still don't really like, like thought it, of seafood yeah i still don't really like seafood in general um like sushi is an exception poke is an exception exception the way certain types of fishes are an exception but overall like i think um if anyone ever suggests like hey let's go to seafood restaurant like that's immediately like unappealing and so i would like the preparation style is what you don't like how it's made, not what it is. Yeah, because you like a whole bunch of different fish. If you like sushi and, po- I mean, they both have ahi tuna, but they're you know sushi can be all sorts of things. You can get eel, you can get octopus, you can get shrimp, tempura. You know, so it sounds like it's a present. That's a preparation thing or a style. It's a mystery. I guess. <laughs> oh, Jesus, my voice. Uh. No, because I just never, never. I was gonna say cream spinach, but no. Huh. That maybe yeah, some things I, I won't never tried it. There's some things I won't want to eat, like spam. I'm kind of like eh, about. Although spam sushi is not bad, um, but I don't think there's anything that I've like gone from. Say control. spam sushi. Spam sushi. It's oh, basically okay. spam sushi, <laughs> not so many okay. words. I thought you were yeah. sushiing some spam. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on the, like, cream spinach or something. Well, although cream spinach, I'm, I'm with you on the idea of, like, you just don't want to touch it to begin with, let alone, you know, actually try it. Yeah, that or, uh, like, an artichoke dip. I think I've talked about this already on the podcast, but, but that was because Art- I just didn't want to get urine, but it was very, very good. Yeah, artichoke You didn't want to get urine? Near yep. it. 
I'm telling you, I'm very congested. I've been congested for the last year. This is some long COVID stuff. It sucks. I need to go to a doctor. Got free health care. I don't know why I don't take advantage of it. Especially That's not a country. flex or anything. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> <laughs> what a flex. I was just saying that I should probably be taking the opportunity of what I have. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like... I feel like opportunities is some sort of segue into something, but I don't know what and I don't know how. But it just sounds like a segue. Yeah, like, you know, take opportunities. Like, play that thing. Watch that thing. I I don't know. I mean, I guess this is an opportunity to obviously bring up the fact that Ninja Turtles, of all things, is a knockout city. Uh, I mean, not that that's like a very super special announcement since, you know, I feel like, you know, crossovers are have been huge for a while, and also Turtles have just been popping up everywhere. You know, they've popped up in Brawlhalla, Smite, Injustice, some other things I'm forgetting. Oh, I mean, Nickelodeon and Star doesn't really count because obviously they would be there. But, you know, it's I mean, obviously I still find it exciting, but this one in particular was just a little more noteworthy because when... One of our friends in our, like, you know, personal friend chat, like, posted just, like, the, I guess, a video, but, you know, the, the trailer for the new season of Knockout City. I think it's probably Mutant something. Mutant and, Mutiny, because wordplay. And I didn't, um, I didn't watch it right away or anything. Actually, I never even did watch it. I still haven't even seen it. But, you know, just seeing the word mutant immediately made me go, like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if they added Ninja Turtles to this. And... Yeah, that's pretty much the God, those crazy yeah. bastards did it. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of it. <laughs> until way later when I just saw a tweet that someone posted where they're like, Oh, now I know what I'm saving all my V Bucks for or something. And then I was like, What the heck? Like they actually did add them? Like, damn. And they're pretty cool. It, I mean, yeah, they're like the marketing turtle designs, but hey, I'll take that. It was funny though when you posted that, because like a few of us saw you say it and no one wanted to like spoil it for you. So like you know, everyone's like, oh, that's cool. And then you're just like, yeah, it'd be neat if they had the turtles. And then we just went radio silent on you because no one wanted to be like, they're there. So then like hours later, like WTF, they did add the turtles with a screenshot. And we're just like, oh, so you watched the trailer. <laughs> like finally, <laughs> like, but it was just like, which you still haven't done actually. But yeah, it's just really funny how like you kind of almost spoiled it for yourself and then we didn't want to actually So that start already? Well, it starts August game. 30th. Um, You know, it's interesting. I feel oh, like that's very any ex- excuse to talk about knockout city is a good excuse because that game's really fun and deserves the love but um this update is actually kind of interesting because i did watch the trailer and this is the first time in that that game where they have like the trailer or watching trailers in general watching that trailer um uh it's a good question i'm interested in so i was kind of hope there's two parts i was kind of hoping that there'd be some gameplay mechanic change that comes out. Is there some gameplay mechanic addition? Because, like, Mutant, like, I don't know what that can mean. Maybe the ball transforms between different special balls in mid-flight or something. So there's, like, a randomer element to it. I, I don't know. But um, I was a little, I guess, disappointed that it's just strictly, like, aesthetic. Like, there is a new stage, and that stage does seem to morph or transform I mean, or something. new but stage is probably the best thing they could do for the most... I mean, new stage but, I mean, and a new ball, did, right? Isn't that, like, what... Past. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's that's, that's, just, that's their Smash Brothers trend. Like, just give us a new stage and a new ball. And that's all but there is no I mean. new ball. That's my point. There's no gameplay changing thing. There's just a new stage. 
What they did do, though, that's more interesting, which is actually what I was trying to say before how to make it feel, is this is the first time they have actually, like, defined characters. Like, up to this point, you know, there's, like, three generics you can be, you can customize them fully, but now there's, like, the four turtles, and there's these four mutant characters they made up, a guy named Neon, a girl named Susan, a rat thing, and then, um, do you remember in ARMS, the plasma guy, I forgot his name, the green jelly guy? DNA man? Yeah, that's a Japanese name, but he had an American name. He, whatever it is. Um, they now have their own version of that. He's a blue blob Ami- named Goober. Amiibo name? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, he now they have like looks... Goober. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. now everybody don't want to know what his name is. Just look it up. But <laughs> but yeah, like everything's very aesthetic, which is fine. I mean, this is going to be a signal booster for the game, having the turtles in there. And the turtles are like, I think you can buy them like... uh there's a bundle you can buy. It's like 20 bucks that has like the turtles and some other stuff. And then I guess they're adding more throughout the course of the season. So there's going to be like cosmetic rewards that are Ninja Turtle themed, like an April Neal outfit or like Shredder's mask. Apparently there's oh, his name is just Helix. hideout. Oh, Helix. Okay. Apparently there's new like hideout customization. Oh, congrats. Apparently there's new like hideout customizations too that they're adding, but like it's all very aesthetics which is cool don't get me wrong it gives knockout say the boost it needs and just kind of like oh that that's it so excited to try it though just you know just because i think um visually it's gonna be very interesting there's no like uh new mode that comes with this i don't think so i think it's literally aesthetics and a map I mean, which again isn't the, the end of the world. They, but they literally such an don't have to give here. us anything else. If anything, they should well, probably, okay. like, take things away to like balance out how like amazing this is. So, <laughs> well, I, I'm sure they're taking away some of the season six superhero stuff when they add the season seven mutant stuff. I mean, they have battle passes now or brawl passes, I guess they call them. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there is a rotation uh, that's going to happen. It's only a matter of time before we get turtles. I guess it's only a matter time before we get turtles in Fall Guys. Well, you know what's interesting? Game I'm playing. Done, probably. What? I feel like it's been done, but I can't be too sure. I don't think Fall Guys has done Turtles yet. No, they definitely haven't. They did Sonic the other week. They did Godzilla, but, but that's about it. That's true. Not um, Sonic, but yeah, you know, but like the only thing that we care about. You know what is kind of funny about all this is like there's all that talk. Remember when the metaverse before <laughs> before Mark Zuckerberg sent out that photo of how bad. Meta's metaverse looks. Remember when the metaverse was like the buzzer and I was like, yeah, it's gonna be all these IPs coming together. It's gonna be like this big thing and we're gonna monetize it. Um, the turtles and that list you rattled off, Angel, of every game they've popped up in, we're kind of like three quarters of the way there already. Like, all this talk of the metaverse in the future, we have IPs crisscrossing every which way, all in virtual worlds where people hang out and use in-game currencies to do things. You just need a bridge does, but like the turtles are on like five games. You got something like Fortnite and Destiny 2. They're doing a crossover where each other are in each other. Like we're basically in the metaverse now. It's not how it was pitched, but in terms of what the metaverse is, of like companies, IPs all being monetized in virtual spaces and crisscrossing and stuff. Like they just link those profiles together. You have the metaverse. We're basically there. Like it's, it's kind of funny that there's all this like Web3 and stuff, but like Roblox, Fortnite. Knockout City to a small extent, like any of these crossovers are like right on that road. Like it's not. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just something I kind of realized when you're rallying off that like five yeah, I mean, different things that they've done. <laughs> well, I mean, if think about it. like if let's use the Destiny Fortnite thing. If they were to hypothetically in the future just let you share one account between the two, 
which they no one wouldn't necessarily do, but like that's it. That's the metaverse. It's done. Like all this like crazy talk of oh you have to be able to like have a virtual meeting. No, like the metaverse happens being games, but it's there. Fortnite's doing it. iHeartRadio launched their own concert venue inside Fortnite. Like it's it's there. It's here. It's already happening. Anyway, I'll get off my metaverse horse now. Um So turtles. Oh, yeah. Turtles. Turtles. Actually, while we're talking about balls, because dodgeball, can I can I pivot? I've been talking. I've been playing games Dragon with Ball. Balls. Finally, no, no. I've been I've been. I don't know I how to describe everything. I've been doing in video games, including now Knockout when it comes out, is like ball based. Like Kirby's Dream Buffet, he's a ball. Pac Man yep. World, he's a ball. Like I'm just like you love balls. I'm just video game balling, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I, I did want to share impressions of those two games. If it, I guess now's a good time. Um, Dream Buffet's a little older. I've had more time with it, so I should probably start <laughs> Wouldn't there. Wouldn't it be an angel just feed at you? Like, nope. I, I don't know. I always ask it, but it's always rhetorical. Balls? And I'm really, I'm afraid one day it's going to come back to bite me. I'll be like, yeah, if you want to talk about Kirby Dream Buffet, you're going to be like, I really don't want to listen to Kirby Dream Buffet. And, and that's it. Then I can't. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with Dream Buffet, like, I don't even, like, I don't even know where exactly to begin. Like, for a game that's as straightforward conceptually as this, um, there's kind of a lot going on. Like, the simplest way I can describe it, I mean, we we're just kind of talking about it a minute ago, is that it's sort of like Fall Guys, just like, and this is why I tweeted, but it's Fall Guys hopped up on sugar, basically. And in the most literal sense, it takes the kind of, like, cutesy aesthetic and, like, candy-coated look of Fall Guys and just goes like full food. So oh, this ties in with everything we talked about. We got balls and we got food. Perfect. But yeah, you're um you're basically rolling through like cakes and sandwiches and cobblers and in some nice attention detail like as Kirby rolls like he actually accumulates little bits of food that get stuck to him, which is kind of funny and a little adorable. Um, but theming wise though, like it all looks really nice and they get super creative in how it translates to gameplay. Like you know the different elements like you use the yolk of a sunny side up egg as like a bounce pad or. You're climbing up stacks of pancakes by rolling in, like, syrup, like a trail of syrup, or, you know, the connecting ramps of different things, or, like, churros, all that sort of stuff. It's really cleverly done. But I also meant that, like, hopped up on sugar thing a little more figuratively, I guess. Um, because when you think of having, like, a sugar rush, right, like, there's kind of this frenzied feeling to it. Um, and that's really what Dream Buffet kind of feels like. It's like a more frenzied, chaotic riff on Fall Guys. So... I don't know if either of you have played it. I'm guessing no. Uh, no, I have not played Kirby's Dream Buffet. Okay. So sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. I don't know if Nintendo does, but I do. Kevin, do you, do you seek forgiveness as well? Okay. So basically, to give you guys a little back story, a little set the table. Right? I'm basic premise. I forgive this, but uh, I have not played it. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but yeah, the 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 basic premise is that you go through a series of four trials. Stop me if you've heard this before. Some are races to an end goal. Others take place in more squared off arenas and have you needing to like defeat enemies or collect things. And at the end of the four trials, there's one winner who's crowned. Fall guys. Uh, but where it differs is that it's not as simple as just get to the end or do the thing. Um, I guess uh, this is a bad pun. I guess you could say kind of like a cake. There's actually layers here too, like a good cake. There's layers. Uh, so there's sort of this underlying loop beneath the surface of strawberry collecting. Everything you do will affect your strawberry count. Along each race map are strawberries you can choose to grab. You know, some direct along your main path, 
some to the side or in more challenging spots. Alternatively, if you decide to get to go first or second or third, there are three different cakes you can grab at the end. So if you're first, you can go for 50 strawberry cake, then 20, then 10. Um, and then in the arena modes that take place between these races, you're either picking up strawberries as they fall from the sky or defeating enemies who then drop strawberries or you're getting strawberries by knocking your opponent Kirby's out of the way. And these strawberries, like, matter. Even in the physics of your Kirby. I mean, the game's general speed is much faster than something like Fall Guys, uh, both in your movement and just kind of what's going on around you. Uh, but the more strawberries you have, the more momentum your Kirby has when rolling. But on the flip side, should you fall off the stage, Kirby has a float ability to help you recover, but it's more limited in how much it can save you depending on how much more physically heavy your Kirby is based on how many strawberries you've accumulated. And these strawberries do carry between each of the four rounds. Uh, likewise, there are other items you can grab, like blueberries, uh, and those can sometimes give you bonus strawberries at the very end. It's sort of like, think of it like the bonus stars in Mario Party, where like there's a random selection of little mini achievements that boost the final star count. Um, but here, if you're heavier and rolling faster, those extra items that can maybe give you those bonus star equivalents at the end, they're going to be that much harder to reach because you're moving you know, with that much more momentum. So what I actually found uh, is that the best way to accumulate strawberries is to try just to be the first to the goal on the racing courses, and then if you can get that 50 strawberry cake at the finish line, you're decently set, and, you know, you're pretty much on the right track, except for one thing. Um, being decently set does not mean you're going to win. Uh, that's where, like, the Nintendo factor really comes into play, if you will. Um, you know, that thing where whatever multiplayer Nintendo game you name, nine times out of ten, there's an element of chance, luck, or just general chaos that's going to shake up the final result. You know what I'm talking about. It happens with Smash when you turn on items. It happens in Mario Kart. Just kind of that, like, Mario Party Odyssey. Just kind of that, like, what's going to happen? Who knows? It's not up to you entirely moment. And in Dream Buffet... It's going to help with longevity, I guess. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. And in, um, in Dream Buffet, this whole thing takes the form of this the fourth and final round of each set you do. So it's basically monkey fright from Super Monkey Ball. All four Kirbys are thrown into an arena, and they want to knock each other off the stage. So the more strawberries you have going in from the first three matches, or first three rounds, uh, the heavier you are, the harder it is to knock you. And plus, you know, you have that much more weight to throw around for knocking out others. But there's also items that spawn on the map. Uh, and these items grant you different Kirby abilities that can make it easier to knock, you know, the higher strawberry players off the map. So you could be twice as heavy as the runner-up going into that match. But if he or even, like, the fourth-place guy gets Kirby a tornado ability or, like, a stone ability or whatever, it doesn't take long before they're sending you flying, which means you lose strawberries, they gain strawberries, or at least the chance to grab your strawberries. Um, and it can totally change, like, the entire... What's the line they're using for the DCEU at Black Adam? Like, the balance of, changes the balance of power. Like, seriously, it can completely, you go from first to fourth, like, really fast in that final round of, um, Dream Buffet. And these items, by the way, do also exist in the racing segments to help you speed up or track nearby items, uh, or berries or, you know, shove other players out of the way. And they definitely add to kind of the frenzied vibe, uh, for that mode. But for me, it feels like the final round is really, where they're the most powerful and most impactful. And this final round, honestly, is, in my mind, the biggest differentiator between something like Fall Guys and Kirby's Dream Buffet. Like, what what we've been talking... Uh, what When we've been talking about Fall Guys, I feel like the 
um, you know, since it came out on Switch, one of the things I feel like I've always said, and we've talked about it like two or three times now between the different shows, but I feel like um, what I've always said is I really liked how it's an online multiplayer experience that lets you kind of have total control over how you perform. There's not really a huge impact the other players typically can have on you in a direct way, at least the majority of the time. Uh, you kind of have your own agency, so to speak. But with Dream Buffet, it's very much is dependent on the other players. Plus, there's an element of chance, you know, that I was mentioning with the items. And that one thing I didn't even bring up a second ago was in that last round, um, alongside the other players trying to knock you off, a random pair of tongs may appear above the arena and just try and grab you like you're in a buffet line or something. So, and if they grab you, you instantly are down 20 strawberries. So you're dodging people, there are tongs flying at you. Like, it's definitely a more chaotic sort of random experience versus something like Fall Guys, which has to be its inspiration in terms of the rest of the structure. Um, which isn't to say Kirby, like, Dream Buffet isn't fun. One thing I thought Nintendo and Hal did that I really like is they sort of turn it into, I guess, quite literally a buffet of, like, past Kirby references. So as you go through and level up, which is very much the same leveling up system as what you see in Fall Guys, uh, you unlock all sorts of nods to other Kirby games. You get music tracks, you get new outfits and colors for your Kirby. There's little starting like pastry pad things that you spawn on that utilize art of characters going all the way back to the original Game Boy game. Um, the star of every race has master hand counting you down. Like if you're a big Kirby fan going through the rank up system, of I think it's like 135 levels or something and getting all those unlockables. It's a lot of fun. It works as a good hook. It has a good loop. Uh, I didn't even mention the emotes, where, which means you can literally like have Kirby say hi or whatever, like on cue, whenever you want. Um, you just hit the D-pad. Plus, you know, there's beyond that, just the package as a whole, there's options to explore levels without opponents who just want to kind of like scope them out or think about the best route to take or look at the food theming. And, and there's also local two-player, which Fall Guys doesn't have, although it's just you and the other local person against computer. Uh, opponents you can't go online with the other person but even then, if you want to play solo against computers you can do that another thing fall guys doesn't have um so really in terms of like i guess what i'm getting at in terms of like this sort of bite-sized e-shop only kirby spin-off game that hal seems to always put out every few years um dream buffet does feel like perhaps the one that gives you the most bang for your buck at 15 dollars uh and in its own right it is a lot of fun it's just the parallels to fall guys are so strong I really couldn't help but compare and contrast them when thinking about the game. And in a way, may, maybe that is an advantage to, that Dream Buffet has because it can be complimentary of Fall Guys specifically because it's not quite cookie-cuttered, but it's sort of like a sister experience. Um, like, I could definitely see myself and already have been sort of alternating between them because Kirby, as its own game, is a solid game with its own mechanics and strategies, and it's just super adorable, which also helps. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of like it's interesting because it's very much Nintendo riffing on something that's established, but Nintendo fying it in the most Nintendo y of ways, if you will. So, so yeah, that's Kirby. Um, I think if you <laughs> go back and pay attention to what I was saying, I think um, because my brain works in puns, I probably unintentionally like worked in like a bunch of food expressions. I noticed I said cookie cuttered uh, just now, and I was like, oh, and I said buffet before. So like that, you make a drinking game out of it. You might get drunk just listening to those impressions. But yeah, it's a good game. It's fun. Um, good to hear. It looks aesthetically yeah. pleasing. But yeah, I, I feel like... I haven't had a chance to even think about downloading it yet. I feel like they could have maybe stripped out some of the extra stuff, like the um, like the, the computer options in the two-player and made it a Switch Online expansion pack, like freebie, and it could have gotten a lot of lift. But even as is, I have like no problem doing matchmaking or anything. So 
yeah, like for 15 bucks, it's really not a bad deal. Um, yeah, like I, like I was saying though, that's I have I have two balls that I've been. Oh, that was really badly worried. I just have two balls. I've been uh, two ball characters of late. I'm. This is horrible. This is why we don't record AM guys. Um, but yeah, while I'm on the topic of characters that are ball shaped, um, and on the topic of games, I was unreasonably more excited about than the average person probably should be. Pac-Man World repack launched on Friday. Between this and Kirby, yeah, I've just been rolling a around a lot lately. Life. What was that? A lot of balls in your life. A lot of balls in my life. Um, and <laughs> I'm only a couple worlds into repack so far since it literally just came out. Uh, but I have to say, it like really does kind of hit the marks of what you'd want from this sort of like 3D platformer throwback. I mean, I don't know if you guys are super familiar with Pac-Man World. Have you played any of them on any? It started on PS1, I think, ended on not but i've i've always been aware of them and like especially the popularity of pac-man world 2 there were always mm-hmm, games especially mm-hmm. in the gamecube era where i was like i want to play that game but just never got around to it like, yeah it it's um sad. two's the one i played two's the one i got super into i mean i never owned it i think i've said this before but i didn't own it i just used to rent it a bunch for blockbuster when i was a kid and i actually got all the way to the final boss i don't remember if i fully beat the final boss i know i got to the final boss so go me maybe possibly but Kevin, did you ever play Pac-Man World or anything? Maybe. No. Maybe. Okay. I, I well, was always a uh, Miss Pac-Man person. So Do you know about what's when, going on with Miss Pac-Man, by the way? No, what did she do? She's wiped out of existence by Namco Banda or Bandai Namco. Like she's just gone. Now it's Pac Mom. Okay, well. Um boycotting any Pac-Man stuff until uh <laughs> It should have went with Pac-Man, but yeah. I know, that's what I said when they first announced Pac-Mom, I said the exact same thing on Twitter. It's like, it's such an obvious pun. Like, what are you doing, Danko? Really? Like, come on. Yep. I have the receipts huh. if you need it. I can find you the title. No, no. But no, I, like, I believe, it is 100% yeah. the better name. That's why we both thought of it. It's such a better name. But yeah, I guess what happened with, with Pac- Miss Pac-Man, Kevin, you're going to be waiting a long time if you're boycotting. Um, so Miss Pac-Man was originally oh, a ROM hack of Pac-Man back in the day that uh, some team at like MIT, not MIT, but somewhere in Michigan or something, some team made this like ROM hack. And it's basically a harder Pac-Man. And then Namco Bandai, Bandai Namco, I guess Namco at the time, saw an opportunity to kind of make a sequel of Pac-Man, but they couldn't just like make another Pac-Man. They needed to differentiate it, so they stuck a little fake bow and called it Miss Pac-Man. But whoever made that Pac-Man ROM that became Miss Pac-Man still owns the rights to everything involving it, including Miss Pac-Man. I guess maybe the deal they originally negotiated, they got to keep the character or something. So Bandai Namco, I feel like, if I remember correctly, wasn't actually paying back the residuals on that. <laughs> so they were like, you can't use her anymore. Or or Bandai Namco decided they don't want to pay it anymore, so they're not using her anymore. But either way, Miss Pac-Man, even though it's such an iconic Namco character, isn't actually Namco's. And thus we now have the the badly named Pac-Mom. So, who has a big pink hat instead of a pink bow and weird eyes? Whack. Yeah, it's super bizarre. But anyway, for Pac-Man World, for those who aren't as familiar with it, um, which I don't blame you. This was like 23 years ago that it came out. But basically, it's like if Mario 3D World time traveled to the 90s and, I don't know, had like a love child with Crash Bandicoot kind of. 
which I guess in more layman's terms means we're talking like a 2.5D platformer, except there's some small container areas that offer fuller 3D movement, and there are others that are a bit more left and right 2D style, but you can still sort of move within that space on the Z-axis. And then you kind of sprinkle in like some Mario 64 Metal Mario as like the one big power-up that Pac-Man has you could turn to Metal Pac-Man, because, you know, this came out a couple years after Mario 64, so everything was metal. Um, but within all this, the game throws you through, you know, as you expect with any platform in different worlds. So, so far, I've... Different themed worlds. So, so far, I've uh, seen a pirate-themed one and an ancient ruins one with lava, which I just completed last night. Uh, and it's up to you to collect all sorts of miscellaneous fruit, find hidden layers in each level to spell out Pac-Man, all of Donkey Kong Country, and just generally, you know, reach the end of the stage, all in the name of saving Pac-Man's family, who the ghosts kidnap, which includes, as we stated... Not Miss Pac-Man, but Pac-Mom, which is one of the biggest changes from the original back in the day. And it also randomly includes Puka, who's that little red dude with the goggles from Dig Dug. Like, I didn't know, or I forgot that he was, like, in the Pac-Man lore in the way that, like, Donkey Kong sort of shoved into Mario's. He has a name, yeah. I learned that yesterday when they're like, oh, no, Puka, or oh, you say Puka, and I'm like, Puka, okay. So, yeah, his name's Puka. But, yeah, back to Repack. Um, So, since it's a Pac-Man game, even if a platformer, uh, the thing that kind of separates it from a lot of other platforms is there's still power pellets and ghosts that factor into it. Um, the developers actually found kind of a, a clever way to weave them in relatively organically. Uh, there are segments where you see ghosts roaming, and if you use a glowing pellet, you transform into like a giant Pac-Man that can both, you know, eat the ghosts and collect extra pellets that pop up around them. Um, and there's a time limit, of course, just like a normal Pac-Man. But then there's also full-on maze stages where if you find another crossover reference, a little like Galaga symbol thing like a little sprite of a galga ship or enemy ship and you take it to the right place you can go into like a fuller top-down arcadey pac-man maze that's themed around whatever world you're in and each level it seems has one of those um so that's kind of a fun thing to unlock but back in the standard 3d platforming uh the pellets also are now items you can throw them at enemies uh i've so far found myself actually not using that move very much but using pac-man's other two moves a lot more there's a revved up dev, uh, like dash charge you can do by holding X. But the most prominent one, which is very satisfying, uh, is he has his own ground pound that they call the butt bounce that you can do by double tapping jump. Um, and there's also, for this version, a new flutter jump that if you hold Y, you can kind of hold yourself in midair momentarily. And as I look at that list of attacks I wrote down, it's dawning on me that he literally is just stealing from every other mascot he hung out with in Smash Bros. I mean, the dash, I guess, is Sonic's. The butt bounce is obviously Mario's. The flutter jump is Yoshi's. Like, dude was taking notes when he joined the Smash Bros. roster. Um, but yeah, like I was saying before, still fairly early in the game. Um, but so far, it's been it's been fun to sort of see the origins of what led to the eventual Pac-Man World 2, which, as Angel, you were saying, is one that a lot of people really fawn over. I, mean, I, I did, for sure. Um, it's, I think, too early to say if this is as good, let alone if my nostalgia will ever give me an unbiased perspective on that. But what I can say is that it's its own little platformer so far. I'm I'm finding Repack to be, like, solid fun, if not relatively straightforward. I mean, there's no crazy innovative ideas so far or things you haven't really seen a platformer do, at least not yet. Um, and you can sort of see its age, too. And how, like, the camera angles the game uses sometimes can make grabbing items a little unnecessary di- unnecessarily difficult every so often in the way that, like, I know Crash Bandicoot used to suffer. Um, but that aside, like, it's just kind of a nice, simple game. Like, simple gameplay experience. Kind of like a chill, 
platformer. It's only 30 bucks, which is nice. So, so yeah, if you're looking for something a little lighter, it's a pretty good one. Um, but word to the wise, if you do decide to pick it up, though, um, it took me a little bit to figure this out. But be sure to go into the options if you're getting it on Switch and scroll down to toggle the game from the default resolution mode to uh, performance mode. Or not res- yeah, resolution to performance. Um, this is the one option that doesn't fit on the screen by default. So it's kind of hidden. And Bandai Namco never even advertised it exists, making it even more hidden. But it does let the game run at a smoother frame rate. There's barely any detectable difference in the graphics. Uh, resolution mode, on the other hand, has some frame rate oddities. So it took me like half a world of the game and almost getting a headache for some reason to realize I can make this change and it was great once I did so um, definitely just do that from the start you're welcome in advance but yeah overall fun little platformer so so that's my balls that's Kirby and Pac-Man that's all I got uh, I totally forgot that I got to talk about some about some balls uh, oh yeah by all means <laughs> I totally forgot I saw what do you mean uh, ball armies wait what hmm I love what you said, by all, like, ball all means. Instead oh, of ball all, all means. Yes, ball all means. Please, um, ball away. I want, to talk, I want to talk about some Dragon Balls because I totally forgot. I did see uh, the new Dragon Ball Super movie, Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which is a terrible, terrible name. Why does it have Super but twice? Was it a terrible, terrible movie? No, it was a fantastic Because I've only heard movie. pretty bad things about it. Have you, actually? You've heard bad things yeah. about it? Even I've heard good things. And I don't even follow Dragon Ball. I mean, I've, I've, really? obviously, I've obviously heard a lot of good things about it, but I mean, I've also heard pretty bad things. But, yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, interesting. It makes sense. Angel. People have taste. I mean, if someone likes something, someone's bound to not like something. But I don't know. I, sure, I've, yet to but... see it, I've yet to see it for myself, but I do want to watch it. I think I'm pretty interested in it. Yeah. Despite so not this... being super interested mm-hmm. to Dragon Ball. But, yeah. but you saw Broly, right? Yeah, which was also pretty cool. Yeah. So also for anyone, oh sorry to keep interrupting you, but yeah, for any, we did watch the other day, uh, like the Broly fight, but like we they they posted the the sixty the sixty FPS version, like the fan upscaled one, and I mean, I I guess I'm I'm sure there. I mean, there obviously are people that like how that looks, but I mean, God, that that looked terrible in my opinion. Jesus, just so dizzying. Because I mean, because animation, you know, is very to me. Like I don't know, it, it just looks like it makes it look a lot worse. Because it feels like the timing just becomes off, which is literally what's happening. Because I mean, you're upscaling the frame rate of something that's designed to be like in 24 frames per second, because that's just how animation works. So if you make something 60 frames per second without like properly, I guess like upscaling those timings of the animation, like you're just going to get a bunch of funkiness. Like some effects, things that are supposed to be continuously constant as far as speed goes, like that that will look fine. Like beams and I guess smoke and like I guess mostly visual effects. But for anything like punches or movements by characters, like, I don't know, it just looks like, I guess like that kind of buffering or I don't know what to call it where like, the screen is moving or the movie's playing, but it feels like the next frame is getting layered on top and smeared instead of it actually transitioning to the next frame cleanly. That's just how it feels to me the whole time. But anyway, this new superhero movie with 
I guess, I, I'm going to now interrupt too real fast. Cause I say, I feel like 4k upscales in general are super hit and miss. Like, yeah, I think cause it's AI driven ultimately, but like there was, I saw Thor the other day, which we won't talk about until you have a chance to see it, Kevin. But, um, they had a trailer before it for Jaws 40th anniversary, I think screening back in theaters now in IMAX. And like, it looks so grainy, like, cause obviously it was filmed on film and it like, you know, if you're going to do like a digital restoration in the 4k, like it looked just like grainy. Like it, it seemed totally pointless to me. <laughs> like, I don't know why, like I get seeing it on a big screen is fun, but like, I don't know why I didn't just re-release it as a normal movie. Like, I don't know what it's gaining from IMAX. Like the other day, um, Coldplay, uh, a Russian book for, to the head of Roberts called turned, um, 20 years old and they're like, Oh, here's a, remaster of the scientist music uh, music video now in 4k and i'm like do i need to see chris martin's pores at a higher definition i don't know like why why (laughs) like what do we gain from 4k so like yeah i feel like sometimes just playing catch up with technology doesn't necessarily help and in some cases like you're saying it might actually be detrimental just interesting how it's like a box to check like yeah we'll make it a higher resolution what do you achieve by doing that is always kind of my question but Anyway, sorry, Kevin, you're going to talk about the redundantly named movie. I'm watching Vegeta vs. Broly uh, upscaled in 4K. Man, this looks awesome. 760 frames just in 4K. It looks really, really good. Like you said, AI is uh, very hit and miss, these uh, upscales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, Dragon Ball is super superhero. God, terrible name. Uh, takes place, uh, I think it takes place a couple of years after the end of... Dragon Ball Super, I don't remember how long it takes place after. It does take place after Broly, though. Um, It's a movie that has very, very little Goku or Vegeta. Which is very interesting because they have been the focal point of this series for, I don't know, since basically Dragon Ball Z essentially started. The main focus of these movies are Piccolo and Gohan. Gohan is my favorite Dragon Ball uh, character, so the fact that he finally got a uh, he got the spotlight was super, super awesome, and also Piccolo. Piccolo has always been sort of the father figure for these characters, which is funny, considering that uh, Goku's just a terrible father. Uh, I think a lot of people on the uh, internet have acknowledged this. Goku's just a super bad dad. Not like super bad, like cool, like just a terrible, terrible father. Um, but anyways, in this movie, uh, Gohan isn't paying attention to his daughter. The uh, He's just not paying attention to his daughter, Pan. Uh, and Piccolo is uh, like basically training her. And he comes across a conspiracy. Or not a conspiracy, but a, uh, a plan to kidnap her. Because this company called the Red, uh, the Red Ribbon Army, who... Any Dragon Ball fan will know who that is. Uh, ha- is sort of like re-emerging from the shadows. And so they need... I believe they need like Gohan's power to essentially create a... Bring up like a brand new uh, evil experiment that I won't spoil. Um, and so it's up to Piccolo and Gohan to take down the Red Ribbon Army. And it's super, super awesome. They... they uh, it's... They both get new, I don't even know if I want to say this because it's kind of a spoiler, but they, they essentially get brand new transformations, which in Dragon Ball, everybody at some point will get a brand new transformation. And 
Piccolo and Gohan specifically, they haven't gotten a new transformation ever since uh, Dragon Ball Z back in the day. While Goku and Vegeta have gotten multiple uh, transformations since. So that was super cool. Another thing about this movie that might be a little hit and miss for some people is that it's actually using 3D animation instead of just hand-drawn 2D. Uh, it's very jarring at first, but after a while you get a little bit used to it and some of the fight scenes look really, really good in 3D. Uh, just the way that the camera swings around. The, the direction on this movie is very, very good. Uh, aside from that, I can't... It's very similar to Dragon Ball Super Broly where there's kind of no plot to it. Once the fighting starts, that's pretty much all you're going to get for the rest of the movie. Uh, I think Dragon Ball Super Broly, I think the last 45 minutes of that movie were nothing but nonstop fights, and you pretty much get the same thing here. Uh, which I don't mind, because Dragon Ball doesn't have the strongest story to begin with. So, just, it, it's... This movie, along with Broly, are sort of like the Mad Max Fury Road of Dragon Ball movies, where there's very, very little story. If there is a story there, it's like, it's fine. But the rest of it is like nonstop action. Uh, I don't want to hear that being said, I, I, did like, I did like Broly a little bit better, mainly because I do prefer the 2D uh, animation over the 3D animation that they use in this. It still looks really, really good. Um, aside from that, yeah, it's... Uh, it was a very, very good Dragon Ball Super movie. Or Dragon Ball movie just in general. And uh, fun fact, Charles Martinet is uh, in this movie. I knew that somehow. Yeah. So, there you go. Who does he play? Well, incentive. Uh, he plays one of the villains. You Can, can you tell it's, tell him? it's him? No. No. Oh. So, he's not like, wahoo, let's go. <laughs> let's go get the Dragon Balls or anything like that. Or is it more his normal know. voice? Like when he's the narrator and... Runner, the runner no, series, not at all. No, he definitely puts on a voice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah so uh, Charles and Marty. Very, very small review of uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. They they do explain why the why it's called Superhero, uh, but I'll save that for later. Well, for later, you I'll see <laughs> you can see it for the movie. <laughs> He's you'll, gonna you'll whisper it into your, all your ears while you're sleeping, listeners. <laughs> They'll yeah, come house by house. A, there's gonna be a hidden ending to this episode, and we gonna tell you why. If you wait, like after five minutes of the... silence, you'll exactly. hear him whisper. <laughs> yeah. I guess Did you like? Do you attempt. like when bands oh. do that? By the way, where like they do a hidden track, but you have to like listen to like eight minutes of a gap of nothing in between the end of the track Not and the start of the hidden. Yeah, it's really weird, right? Like if you just play it after the last song, I'm fine with that. Yeah, same. same. Just don't just there... don't put it on the listing. That's it. Do. Yeah, exactly. There, there was a um, before they blew up. Uh, Linkin Park did an old thing when uh, Hybrid Theory EP they called it back. I think when the band might have called Hybrid Theory, and they have a song called I think it's is it And One. But there's like static, like a little like it sounds like there's um, like tapping in aux chords. It's like zzz, 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 and that goes for like six minutes, and then there's like a minute and a half like instrumental thing at the end of that. And I was like, why? Like I love you, Linkin Park, but why? Do I need six minutes of zzz, zzz, like it makes? Until I, I like literally edited the MP3 myself because I'm like, this is this is I'm never gonna sit in my car while driving. Be like, oh, only five more minutes until I get to the good thing. Like it just it doesn't make sense. I don't know why. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, Angels, anything that you want to talk about? Well, I was 
I was just gonna say that, like, seeing as how you said superhero, I guess I might as well, like, finally like, wrap up, like, my thoughts on Young Justice. Because I want to say I brought it up a while ago when I first started watching. Did that happen? Was that a, was that a thing? Maybe. That sound, I know we've had discussions about it, but I don't remember if it was in front of a microphone. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess to quickly sum up, Young Justice is a show that I didn't really think I would ever get around to watching it. I mean, I... I have enjoyed, I guess, all the DC, at least serial content that I've watched. I mean, including like Harley Quinn. But, I mean, also from the past, like, you know, I did used to watch Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Animated Series, that Superman show. I think it was also like a Batman and Superman. But there was all like in that same art style by Bruce Tim. What about Super Friends? I'm not saying this jokingly. I'm serious. Did you ever watch Super Friends? Because I used to love Super Friends as a kid. This wasn't part of that era. I'm talking about. Well, like I know, but I mean, post. like, did you watch reruns of it too? No, I oh. I think I would change the channel when that would come on. Wow, wow. Okay, I mean, it was yeah, the, era, the, like it was. Yeah, the the old there. stuff. I, I guess I can't really get into for some reason. Like even like Spider Man has amazing friends or whatever it's called. Where I guess he just he's a roommate with Firestar and Iceman. I guess so. That one I've never seen. That that's a different era entirely, even than Super Friends. I think like Super Friends was like seventies, eighties. I think it's from the same era because they both have the same quality of animation. Oh, but okay, uh, sure. yeah, but you know, like I typically don't seek these things out. But you know, I've always heard about like oh how great Young Justice is, and you know how basically it, I'm sure it was because it was short lived that it had like more notoriety. And then, you know, HBO Max came along and they revived it and it got two seasons. And presumably it's getting a third, but it's actually hard to say now. <laughs> Not if it's HBO yeah, Max. Yeah, like, yeah, they've recently been, like, kind of canceling a lot of animation projects, some of which I was, we, like, we really looking talk forward about to. that after your impressions well, here. I, I, I guess not even canceled. I mean, like, they're, they're pretty much just, like, they have to be shopped around again. So these things can still happen, but I know we lost, like, a Batman no, no, no. They, project they about things. Straight up canceled a bunch they are actively removing already finished no, yeah, but, animated projects like they're they're they don't no, yeah, that's like, what i'm saying they, but but like yeah. but anyone else can like i mean they could still be i mean if netflix picks them up that can happen for the new shows not for stuff like close enough that just got wiped off the face of the earth never to be seen again hmm, it's, an, it's yeah they they I mean, I know. I mean, they, I know that show got canceled. Like, it's just um, yeah. No, they but, actively removed it. But that's like no different than they any don't other. They want to pay the residuals. Yeah, you know, no, but like the bulk of the animation, including stuff from Cartoon Network, they don't want to pay residuals to the actors or the creative teams. So, because they're doing such weird cost cutting, you know, like the Batgirl stuff. So they actively removed them and have no plans to put them back on streaming. So all three I mean, seasons of a show that's already done is gone gone and they gave like two days notice before they took it down yeah it's pretty terrible anyway sorry let me go out of... whoever the new management at warner brothers is awful <laughs> this is the takeaway yeah that's kind of a shame because that was kind of one of the biggest appeals of hbo max but yeah it was really solid the the breadth of content and stuff like the like even the deal they just signed with a24 where they're bringing all the a24 movies to hbo max exclusively they let go of the entire team that uh that made that deal happen like they're they're apparently gunning for the Middle America Discovery Channel uh, network of channels audience, but with Warner Brothers, which is weird because like if you're buying something that's a more diversified viewpoint, 
and more diversified audience, why would you then homogenize it towards the audience you already have, which already you're successful with, versus making more money with the broader audience? Anyway, I'm sorry I'm interrupting Young Justice. Please continue, Angel. <laughs> yeah, so Young Justice. Um, I agree we're talking about that. Um, yeah, I'm surprised I ended up liking it as much as I did. I mean, more, I guess it was more so like, oh, actually it does kind of live up to the hype. But at the same time, it's also just funny how, how, like, I didn't realize just how much of a novella this was going to be. Like, damn, like, they, if every second of this show just has, like, drama and intrigue and there's, like, you literally get, like, the whole, like, I'm your twin brother, blah, blah, my, you know, there's, like, reveals, like, every other episode and it's always, like, cliffhanger-y, like, it, it's a soap opera. It's, like, the biggest soap opera ever. I don't remember the last time I saw any show that had, like, plot threads that are, like, teased in, like, the first few episodes that aren't resolved until, like, two seasons later or, like, one season later. Like, usually things are a little more contained, but, man, like, this thing, like, every single episode, every single character they introduce, like, has, like, some big payoff later or, like, has... I don't know. It, it's kind of neat. Like, like I said, like I don't remember the last time I saw something that just had this many things connecting to each other. Or things that seemed like they would be one-off, but that had bigger implications later. And it seems like they really went out of their way to give like every every character like the time of day. That being said, though, like the first season does stay mainly focused to like a few characters, which I think is a lot better. Like, I mean, you have Robin, Kid Flash, and Aquaman. And Speedy, which for those that don't know, is like the Green Lantern's sidekick. But yeah, they're kind of like the the lone wolf that doesn't want to play ball with everyone else because you know they they finally get to join the Justice League. But I mean, I guess if uh, HBO Max hasn't gotten rid of it yet, I mean, I think it's worth checking out, especially if you have any remote interest in the DC universe or if you happen to like any of those heroes. Because even though it's called Young Justice. I would say, like, the Justice League, so, you know, your Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman and such, play, like, not just as big of a role, but a pretty big role, too, that they're, it almost feels like you're just watching a modern Justice League show. Like, it's as much a Justice League show as it is about, like, you know, those younger characters, and, like, even though it's three seasons, two, no, I think it's four seasons, no, I don't remember, three or four seasons, um, it does cover many, many years, so, like, you basically see them as, like, you know, young teens to full-on adults, which is also kind of cool, just that, you know, you get this nice sense of time, but they do have a lot of time skips. There are some characters, like, they literally try to give every character the time of day, so the later seasons do seem to feel a little disjointed sometimes just because we're not following this character that just gets, like, their you know, two or three episodes to themselves, and then that's kind of it. And, you know, it's kind of paid off later. Like I mentioned, everything is still connected, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, all right, if, if that character wasn't your favorite one, it ends up feeling kind of like, uh, like all right, that, I could have done without that episode. It's cool. And it's still fine, but you know, it didn't really feel as impacting as others. But, yeah, I guess it's long story short. I'm just surprised I liked it this much. Definitely enjoyed it. But, oh my God, you could totally tell the budget was severely decreased in the last few seasons. Like, the first season, the action is still cool for the most part. Um, The action was really great in the first season. 
But yeah, the next couple seasons, like I mean, you thought anime was all about cost cutting. Like this show, I feel almost takes it to an extreme level. It's almost like I'm watching Evangelion, because that show in particular is like notorious for like having very few like seasons where there's like a lot of movement. Sometimes they're just like have the camera pointed at a wall, and you just hear people talking, just because they don't want to animate them. And you know, it's obviously choreographed that way so that it doesn't feel too mm-hmm. jarring. But it's noticeable that, like, they're really trying to save money. And even when you have characters on screen, like, people, like, barely move unless they're fighting. But the first season definitely didn't have that problem. So, kind of wondering what happened there. But, yeah, that's Young Justice. You know what's funny is, as you're describing that, like, oh, yeah, there's stuff they drop in season one that gets relevant in later seasons. And, like, there's episodes that go deeper into certain characters in the later seasons. Granted, it's only two seasons, um, what I'm about to say, and granted, it's a very different genre. Only Murders in the Building does something similar. I didn't want to talk about it too much because, like, you can't really talk about a murder mystery without talking about how it pulls off a murder mystery or not. Um, But season two of that was very similar to how you're describing, you know, with, like, cliffhangers ending each episode, twists that are set up for a long time ago. Like, it's it's eerily similar in, in, at least conceptually, to what you're saying about how Young Justice presents itself, which is kind of a funny, unexpected parallel there. Oh, yeah. But, recommend it. Eventually, I'll talk about Harley Quinn. That show is also great. Um, I was actually, I'm pretty sure I did talk about it before, but, you know, new season. Still funny. So, actually, I might as well just mention it at this point. New season. Still funny. Definitely recommend it. I guess I won't say much <laughs> except, like, you know, the, the characters, you know, they're taken in different directions that you would expect. Some of them are... I did unexpected but funny. The show, I don't know, you could tell they're having a lot of fun with it, especially with like the DC license. Like it's unapologetically just, I guess, uh, unapologetically, hmm, I don't know what to, what word to put there, but it's worth watching. They're taking some license with the license. Some a lot of liberties, but or liberties. Yeah, mainly, there we go. They're taking liberties with the license. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only like, and this is actually something that I talked about with my brother-in-law. Like, the only character that feels kind of they went like really hard on one character trait that wasn't really brought up too much in the past was something with Batman. But otherwise, yeah, just the uh, it's another great show that I hope keeps going on HBO Max. I mean, I haven't finished. I mean, the season is still going, so I don't know if. It's going to have a conclusive ending or they're going to leave it open like they did in the last two seasons where it was like clearly they're going to have something else. But actually, no, I take the back. The last season could have ended right there and that would have been fine. Like there wasn't really anything left open, I would say. But I'm going to guess that they might do an open-ended one simply because all the Warner Brothers Discovery drama started after season three was done being produced and made. But that being said, too, like, Harley Quinn was never a character I ever really cared about. And I still don't really, except, like, in regards to this show, because, yeah, like, it's just funny. And, yeah, it makes me a fan of it. I still wouldn't say I'm a fan of Harley Quinn in general, but I am a very fan of the show and even this portrayal of Harley Quinn. But You know yeah. who plays her, right? You know who voices her, right? Um, I think I do, it's like, someone from Big Bang Theory, I think. Yeah, Kaylee Cuoco, who played Penny on Big Bang Theory. Oh. 
Well, if there's well, anyone really that came out of that theory, show, so I couldn't even recognize her voice or remember what she. Oh, she's not doing her normal voice. It's definitely Harley Quinnified. But I was just saying, if there's anyone that came out of that show that I didn't think would like have such a diversified portfolio, like she does that, she does the flight attendant, she's just all over HBO Max seemingly. But no, she like really kind of found her footing after Big Bang. Yeah, well, good for her doing a bang-up mm-hmm, job. Mm-hmm. So I see in the Spe- docket, I see something called The Bear. What the heck is that? Is it like a documentary? Or I actually about... wasn't ready to talk about this. <laughs> but is it, I guess is I it about, is it about a lumberjack? We could save it, but I'm just curious because I don't think I ever heard of that. Uh, it depends. Is uh. Jason, do you is this gonna be like on your list or that list I think depend- that never-ending list I, or wait in terms of things to watch? Um, depending on what you say, I might add it. Yeah, sure. So, uh, the bear is this uh, TV show on the FX or FX on Hulu? I don't exactly know what they're doing over there. Just Disney. It's all just Disney. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's the show about this uh, this beef sandwich shop in Chicago if I'm not mistaken and basically the main character uh, his brother owned that uh, Italian beef shop which I think is just called The Beef yeah it's called The Beef exactly um, and so he is actually like a uh, a world renowned chef who then has to go back home to run this uh, beef shop because his brother committed suicide and so it's sort of the, the the show sort of starts off as like this uh this big head of honcho or this big uh well known chef is coming to this uh little beef shop and so it's sort of almost like the trial tribulations of having to take over a small business. Uh so, you know, he at first he has trouble with the staff. Uh he has trouble with the menu, he's got, you know, uh money problems that he has to take care of that his brother did it before he passed. Um it's eight episodes long, and I binged the crap out of it because, holy crap, this is a 9 out of 10 TV show. Um, the direction is fantastic. The acting is great. Uh, the main character, I never saw Shameless, but the main character is one of those main characters from that show. Uh, and I still have never seen him out of in anything outside of that, but he's fantastic in the show. He's just... He's just one of clinic of acting. Um, the supporting characters are also very, very fun. Uh, you have some people there who like this. Uh, there's this lady who has been at the beef for decades at this point. You have the brother's best friend who ran the beef uh, with the brother. And so it's now you have uh, the main character, Carby, like bumpy heads with uh, his brother's best friend because they knew how to run the, sh- the place together, and that's actually like one of the big conflicts of the show. Like you have this guy who's been running the, who's been running behind the scenes this entire time, but now you have the younger brother who has no idea about this world coming in trying to run the, trying to run the business. Uh, and so you know they bump heads. You have the uh, the eyes wide open new employee who like. Just trying to get their their start in the uh, in the food business. It's it's really good. The, the second to last episode, especially the the last twenty minutes of the second to last episode, are are so anxiety inducing. I know some people didn't like it because of this. It's almost like 
not I wouldn't exactly compare this to uh uncut gems in terms of how much anxiety it produces. But it is a very stressful Ooh. show, especially the first episode, the second to last episode. You just shot the show up my list with the un- with the not quite uncut gems comparison because I have never felt so anxious in a movie as I did yeah. for uncut gems. So if this gets anywhere near that, even if it's like an eighth of that, like that has my attention. Yeah, it absolutely is about an eighth of that. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic show. Uh, very underseen, I guess, but it is getting a second season. That being said. If they somehow, for some reason, have to shut down the second season, the uh, the season finale w- was like actually like a very perfect bow tie to the show. So I wouldn't mind if the show had ended there. That being said, I am very excited for a second season. Yeah. So uh, a quick yeah, I'm gonna have to bear. check this out. I'm definitely gonna have to check this out. <laughs> the bear. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to to binge the entire thing, but I binged the entire thing in one uh one sitting. Wow. And each episode's what, 45? Yeah, they're about 45. Give or take? Okay. Wow, so that's like six to seven hours of TV you watched in one go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's that good. Probably that was my favorite with... show of the year so far. Wow. Okay, Damn. that's my praise. I was saying, in terms of watching a lot at once, that was me with Stranger Things because I didn't want to see spoilers. So I watched all of part one of season four in one go. With a break for dinner, but it was like nine straight hours. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of TV. A lot of TV. I totally came into this podcast thinking, like, did I do anything? Like, yeah, I've been doing a lot, actually. It's funny because, like, there's some stuff that's, like, I mean, I guess this is the whole, like, thing about, like, tentpole movies versus just movies. But there's, like, some stuff that's, like, oh, this is, like, an event, like, a moment. Like, I'm going to see... Spider-Man or whatever, and there's other stuff you just kind of like quietly consume that ends up having more of a slower lasting impact. Like, you know, the bear, you even remember that you want that would be something to talk about, and yet, until we start recording, and yet, your favorite show of the year. So it's kind of funny how Mia can have those sort of different levels of impact, you know? Not that this is a profound observation by any means, but, yeah. Speaking yeah. of shows with some weird impact, though, um, and speaking of shows that are getting a second season that maybe, do they need one, without spoiling anything, um... The Rehearsal, Nathan Fielder's new show on HBO Max. Back to HBO. Back to balls. This guy has balls. Uh, Have you guys been watching The Rehearsal? Well, yeah. Watch the the first four episodes. The Nathan show. Yeah, Nathan Fielder. Yeah, so you watch four, Kevin. Angel, you're done with it? You're in the middle? Yeah, it's the Nathan show. You're done, Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I finished it, too. Um, well, obviously we're not going to spoil anything in part because Kevin, you haven't finished it in part for listeners, but what do you guys think of it? Because like, we've all watched Nathan for you, and it's just kind of that but not. How do you guys feel about it? It felt like that but not. Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was fun. I'm glad like it still kind of kept the... like the I, You know, going into the show, I actually didn't really know much about it. I didn't even realize he had a show until like the week of... And I thought, like, oh, cool. Every episode is going to be, like, a new situation. And it kind of is. But, like, at some point, I feel like, oh, it's just going to be this one big project with. Which is fine. But I was kind of, like, I... hoping for more of the other things. But they still kind yeah, of did them. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But then it kind of goes back to not. But it was entertaining the whole time. I, I did enjoy I think, everything I saw. 
definitely, I, um, as I'm sure you're going to bring up, it definitely goes in many directions, especially like towards the end that you don't expect it to. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I'm very tepid about like I'm really cautious about what I'm going to say in that regard. But but before I even say anything, Kevin, what actually before we say anything, which probably sounds the premise for people who haven't seen it real quick. Um, anyone want to do the honors? You want me to do it? Just like a quick, basically the byline of it. Yeah, it's good with the byline. All right. I, I don't even know if byline is the right word. I think that's the name of the author of an article, so that might not be the right word. But yeah, basically, if Nathan for you is Nathan Fielder helping people overcome business struggles with wacky ideas that somehow seem to work, uh, the rehearsal is presented to you initially as that same idea but for personal issues. So the I, the, 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 the premise, if you will – is if you can think through every possible outcome of how something can unfold, you can navigate the best possible outcome of that scenario. So the show is presented to you initially as there's a guy who needs help. He lied to his trivia teammates uh, on trivia night about having a master's degree. He doesn't want to bring it up, and he doesn't know how to bring it up because like, it's an awkward thing, and he thinks one of the teammates will kind of snap at him about it. So they walk him through to more and more absurd lengths the different ways it could play out. They like literally rebuild the bar he does trivia night at in a warehouse in like Greenpoint in New York, like in Brooklyn. They like do all this stuff to like land, like really like explore every possible outcome. And then that's the first episode. And that's, I think premise that Angel, you're like, that's kind of why I was tuning in and expect to see every episode. And me too. I thought it would be like nice for you, but with like personal issues, then episode two hits and it kind of pivots to like a long form version of this where it involves like rehearsing, like being a parent. And then like Nathan kind of becomes a part of the rehearsal while simultaneously doing other rehearsals for other people, at least in some of the episodes. It's like this whole like it's like layer. It's like a meta super layer. Like there's rehearsals of rehearsals inside rehearsals with other rehearsals. And it just gets super like trippy essentially. I think that's a kind of broad way to describe the show, right? Yeah, and it, it's great because just when you think like it couldn't really get more absurd, it just kind of keeps going, like you said, like the, the like the length and it goes always... to to like should double check something or triple check something. It's just really funny, but that's just, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's um for you some set in L.A. that like really is like a heightened form of meta. <laughs> I don't know how better to describe than that. Kevin, did you get to those episodes where he's back in L.A. briefly? I don't remember. It's been a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say too much for those who haven't seen it, but like the, those LA episodes, or maybe it was one episode was actually my favorite, I think, of besides the first episode, just because it like, it was like the purest form of the concept being as absurd as it can be. And, and that's the thing without spoiling anything. Um, when, when, you know, Angel, you're saying, what word did you just use to describe like the, the lens he goes to to like triple check? Was it absurd? Might be absurd. Um, the absurdity isn't always like hysterical, laugh out loud, like, whoa, this is so crazy. Like, some of it's like, there's a surprising range of emotions throughout this show, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience. It's almost like watching some sort of like psychological study in real time. But I do wonder if, um, they had to pivot the show because they did at the peak of COVID. So I do wonder to your point, Andrew, about like, it would have been interesting to, or we thought like each episode would be its own problem to solve i do as i was watching i kept wondering like did they 
have to kind of adjust on the fly and sort of take this in a different direction than initially planned. Because, like, some of the stuff definitely seemed like... Because there's a mix of real people and seemingly actors. And I couldn't help but wondering, just watching, like, did they have to pivot at some point? And was some of this sort of on the fly? And that question really was raised in the last episode, but I won't say anything beyond that. But, yeah, so it is. it would be interesting. They announced a season two. I am curious if they continue down the, like, more overarching story approach that they took with season one or if they start to almost go into introducing more people with more rehearsals that have more individual personal issues and if it kind of like goes more in a nathan for you direction even though i realize nathan for you also sort of started to build an overarching story as well it was definitely lower key than what the rehearsal had so yeah, yeah those are my definitely questions. recommend it yes it's definitely worth watching um it might not be like the best tv you've seen but it's definitely some of the most interesting TV you will probably see in a very long time. It's very, like, Andy Kaufman-esque in terms of what it does. So, yeah. Kevin, anything you want to add about the rehearsal? He says it's been a while since you watched it. but No, I just I just have to get around to, to watching it again. I'll probably just restart yes, the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, they're not... Yeah, it's each like, like four or five minutes. episodes. It's know. six. It's uh, I think it's, it's five six. or six, but they're, like, 30 to 40 minutes each, yeah. Yeah. Probably, well, my favorite scene is uh is uh when they're in that uh raising canes, yeah. And there's yeah. a lady pretending to be like a <laughs> nugget, and he's just staring at her like while while uh, he has that uh, laptop strapped to his chest. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That that was one. Of, there, there's a few moments that I, like really like laugh out loud funny, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah. HBO's giving him money to do this. <laughs> What's crazy is their press release, like, and all this talk about them cutting costs and stuff, and to be fair, there's a difference between Warner Brothers, HBO, and HBO Max in terms of management and how the new overlords of Warner Brothers are interpreting each. But yeah, when they announced season two of the, the rehearsal, they were like, we have no idea what Nation's going to do with this, but I've at it. But yeah, he's just like pouring their money down the drain, essentially. Not really down the drain. There's quality content coming out of it, but you know what I mean. Like they literally the bar yeah. they built. No, the another drain episode, is a pretty specific thing to say. No, no, it's 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 quality. I mean, like from their from their perspective, like did he need to convince yes. the crew to move the replica bar from New York to Portland, like full <laughs> on so rebuild funny. it from scratch across the country? <laughs> like not really, but made for one gag in one episode. So they're like, okay, like yeah, the show definitely wasn't cheap. Yeah, or maintaining yeah. a winter is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty great too. Yeah, or hiring all those various—I mean, not that there are a lot of actors, but hiring people like out, like finding, doing casting calls out in like the boonies of Portland and stuff like that. Like, yeah, actually, there's probably a lot of effort in mind that went into this for something that seems so simple in premise. Simple but effective. Yeah, but well, I mean. Did you guys have anything else? Anything pop up no. in the last two weeks? Nothing no, here. No, I think that'll be it. Much like Nathan Fielder's the rehearsal this episode, simple but effective. Uh, okay. okay. I don't know what that noise was, but okay. <laughs> ah. Yeah, um, well, oh, does that mean I yet, so, so I'm still kind of neutral, so. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Um, well, I guess that means I do closing notes, huh? Or do you want to do them, Kevin, as the host? 
I don't have my I don't have my closing notes. That's upside. All right, kind of well, have to be you, Jason. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in for the balls episode of the Random or Nintendo. Uh, you can find future episodes that may involve other shapes on uh, all the streaming podcast services. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, our YouTube channel. Fun fact about YouTube, actually, it was just uh, two different studies just came out that the most podcast consumption actually happens on YouTube, not dedicated podcast apps. Even though Spotify is now bigger than Apple Podcasts and both of them have a huge market share, the bulk is YouTube, believe it or not. And YouTube's going to launch a podcast section as a result. But in the meantime, if you want to find us directly on YouTube, RandomNintendo.com is the channel name. You can also find us on Twitter at RandomNintendo um, to make sure you don't miss any happenings. Uh, we are individually on Twitter. I am JSR7. Angel is where O-W-E-I-R-O, and his best tweets come after 3 p.m. when he's peaked. And uh, Kevin is KVN Gomi. Um, I think that's it. So I guess who wants a final word? It's up for grabs. Someone just shout something, and don't let it just be balls. Balls. <laughs>